Wake up, buyer payer people. It's a beautiful day. Go grab yourself another cup of joe and say hello to Jim and Michelle Rhodes on the Buy Here, Pay Here morning show. Take it away, you two. Good morning, everybody. Hello. Happy Monday. Monday again. <laughs> Did we is. just do a Monday show? Uh, yeah, yeah, they kind of blur. And yeah, it, yeah. Uh, I, I took the opportunity a lot of the weekend to catch up on your football. No, no. <laughs> She's not a football person. No, I watched a really great movie on Netflix, but um, while he was off well, watching was the football, football game, game with, with I, and so you like he he gets home um, what about ten o'clock at night and he goes he goes uh, or I said who won and he goes really you don't know you don't know who won the Super Bowl. <laughs> People like, been waiting for this no, all year, no. and you don't know who. I, you know, I, the only time I, mean, I I watched Super Bowl for the commercials. Yeah, mm. you didn't even do that. Um, I didn't even do that. All right. Can you hear us? Okay, good. Oh. Um, uh, we we just told Chuck before we, we before we got started that we were uh, our soundboard like went off in the middle of something and we were like, holy Hannah, that is not good. But um, uh, Jim's mom does not enjoy football. So I opted to not watch it all, even for the commercials. And I figure, you know, you can kind of watch them all on Netflix or not Netflix, but YouTube yeah. today. Yeah, so, okay. you know, uh, uh, those of you who watched it and loved it and there were like favorites, shoot us a message to let us know which ones I should watch. Yeah. Cause I mean, they're always are like really fun and outstanding and yeah uh, there's a lot of money that is put into those commercials yeah, so sure. um yeah so there's some marketing fun. lessons in there but there yeah really it, was, uh, it was quite a game it was uh you know mm -hmm. some some of the games don't build uh you know live up to hype, yeah. but that was quite a good game but yeah say good morning let us know where you're where you're listening from um make sure and, you can uh, hear us make sure you can hear us yeah. yeah i mean i don't need the microphone right now apparently we're just working off of the laptop mic um some big news yeah for sure some great big news that we're really personally we're really happy about um is that it was kind of uh, not officially announced yet, but announced through social media and all of that, that we have a new NIADA executive CEO. director, CEO. Yeah. And um, really, really, really um, excited about it. Um, so, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, Jeff is somebody that, so for those who didn't catch the news, uh -huh. it went out uh, from NIADA, went out to the Texas uh, um, membership we, Yeah, we got an email on last week. Yeah, last Friday. week. And we remember mm -hmm. through uh, Texas, so we got that email, and we we knew that was happening. And mm -hmm. and then of course Mind Monday job. this morning, an, an email goes out from NIEDA first thing, making it official that Jeff yeah. Martin, the uh, longtime executive director in the state of Texas, has uh, accepted the the job of CEO with NIEDA, which is just outstanding news. It's yeah. such a great thing for the industry. So congratulations to uh, yeah. all those who played a role in bringing that together. Yeah, so that's, that's it's, a big day. he's been, he's been there for 15, 16 I years the number, but and yeah, just cool. really one of the powerhouses of state conferences. And so, um, you know, we're looking forward to seeing some really, really amazing things. Okay. So someone asked, what was the movie that you watched on Netflix? <laughs> it was the one with uh, Reese with Spoon and um, Ashton Kutcher. Kutcher. Uh -huh. I loved it. Oh, good. So, okay. yes. So, if you want to catch a 
good movie. It's a, uh, I do have to say one thing. I'm sorry. We're squirreling is that they keep referring it to as rom-com. And I'm like, what is this? Like one of those, um, uh, I, I think of, uh, what's that com stuff, um, that, you know, people go and they dress up like their favorite character. Oh, yeah, like and so I was like, is this like Comic-Con? And yeah. I, um, and then I, all it's of a sudden after a little while, I was like, oh, that's, that's the short and abbreviated romantic comedy there you go so it was really 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 good so yeah. um okay so jeff martin fantastic looking forward to it yeah so this where's thing. karen she's saying good afternoon to us it's not afternoon yet even where she is it shouldn't be afternoon. i know so she unless she's in puerto rico or something <laughs> exactly <laughs> Never mind. So, so we're excited to bring yes. in our uh, guest quick uh, mentioning well of course we'll talk about yeah. it with uh, with chuck we got chuck manano joining us this morning and uh, i'm i'm looking forward to kind of telling the story i had uh, had um, an opportunity to work with chuck many years ago we haven't talked about that a lot like i'm going to kind of have him uh, share his uh, side of that story like we uh, we i arrived <laughs> in uh, <laughs> she's, she's just I can away. see him backstage laughing. So, yeah, yeah. so uh, I, I, I think uh, we uh, I look forward to talking about yeah. that. But yeah, let's bring Chuck in. And uh, so let's for those do who don't that. know Chuck Banano, I would say first, if you're in the buy your favorite business, where have you been that you wouldn't know Chuck Banano? So he's he's been around the industry longer than I have. I mean, we got into the consulting business about the same time. So Chuck, can you hear us? Okay, I hear you guys. Great. Good morning. Can't hear him. I was Hold on. Give Let us a minute. Me, um, just one quick second. We're going to have to make some adjustments on our side. So. Settings. Oh, it's probably because of this. Now speak. Okay. Can you hear me now, guys? Yeah, we can. Okay. I, I, I keep this one muted when we're using the soundboard, and it's like, it's still muted. Go ahead. Let's go All for right. it. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, this was our first try. Um yeah. Yeah, no, I've known Jim since I think that was around 2001, and um, <clears throat> we were both in the consulting side of the business through working with a DMS company, which um, is not easy, um, <laughs> never was, never is, never will be, because people, dealers, I find, want their DMS to be perfect all the time um, and also be as cheap as possible. And when we're trying to do the educational side, sometimes you get tied up and hung up in some of the issues that normally occur with DMSs that are not built directly for your dealership, but are bought off the shelf. So, um, yeah, that was an interesting experience with a, uh, a, a great group of Canadian folks who came down to Florida with Jim and I. And uh, right. uh, we just realized that um, and I've realized this is enough. If there's DMS providers out there, please don't write to me, but it's hard. <laughs> Because people just expect technology to be perfect all the time, and it just isn't. Yeah, it's the nature of it. That's true. And yeah, that DMS thing was definitely a part of it. That that uh, company was one of those dot com companies trying to consolidate and bring mm -hmm. a lot of uh, elements of the industry together in one place. And it was a uh, it was an, a noble effort, multiple DMS providers, and and uh, lots of dealers in communication with us. But yeah, it was. I could tell you for me, Chuck, it was a great learning experience. I mean mm -hmm. that that whole thing being out there and it took me across a big part of the eastern half of the country back in those days and and so you know there's i want to do these consulting visits and i'm sure you've seen something similar it's like when i go out and do these consulting visits i tend to learn as much as i teach you know i tend to you know, new observations and so mm -hmm. you get to see how people do what they do and you maybe you've seen their numbers and now you get to see how they reach those numbers you know and so it's, right. it's helpful to be on the inside of those operations sometimes so it was, it was a great learning experience for me obviously uh like like um you know 
like you who traveled all over the country now calling on dealers and you you've probably been i've been in more than half of the u.s states which i know that means you've been in you know most of them and, and calling on uh, dealers and finance companies and buy here payers so we're happy to have you here i'm also got to say that you know part of what prompted me to reach out is we've got this event coming up in march and you've been gracious enough to to join us for that event and it's it's one of these big topics that's been kind of circulating for me for a long time last year we recorded a three-part series around this idea of why is there no blue sky in the buy here payer industry like why can't we create something that is conveyable you know, so that we don't see so many dealers ending up in a unexpected departure from the business or maybe even planned and they're and they're looking at some liquidation scenario. And I just find it so unfortunate, you know, that dealers spend so much time building a business and they don't have any real value to translate. Not not all of them, of course, some will enjoy that, but just far too few end up creating any kind of value. And as I was working on this uh, event, you know, we kind of settled in on the concept of enterprise value. Like, what is enterprise value? And so the, the thing that I ran across, it was really some code, business coach from outside of Buy Here Payer said, you know, ask a dealer, you know, can your business operate well without you in the building? And if so, like, for how long? Like, how long would your business do well without you there? And then could your business grow without, without you, you in the building? Mm -hmm. right? And so if we think about those things, if we have answers to those questions, think, okay, so if the answer to those is no, what keeps us from getting there? Because we know there are lots of businesses out there that do succeed in creating that kind of structure. So I, I just was really interested to have you a part of the conversation today, because when we think about, as I've talked about this event, Chuck, I've, I've used so many different words, thinking about how do we how do we help a dealer make their business more conveyable or marketable mm -hmm. or valuable? You know, we go through all this stuff, mm -hmm. but I haven't used the word scalable a lot. But I realize, you know, when Michelle and I talking about it, it's like it's, really scalable yeah. is kind of in the same it's the same pieces, same pieces in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and, and so maybe something that uh, a lot of dealers um, out there are are thinking about, but that. Yeah. yeah. Do you want me to bring that up? Oh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we did a so, poll yesterday in uh, the two Facebook groups and the results came in and it really was pretty interesting. The The numbers said that uh, you see that largest blue group there said that they have a single operation and they're content to stay there. That was 57 percent. I threw some comments out there in the groups this morning. They're, this won't be 100 percent accurate because we didn't get a chance to check to see if people voted in both groups. So that would obviously throw the numbers off a bit. But then the next largest group is their single location now, but are open to growing. I can't quite read the percentage. Would like more. Just, um, yeah, and that was 22%. Yeah. And then the last group is they have multiple locations already, already and they're expecting to grow. It was interesting. There was not a single vote for we have multiple locations and we're expecting to stay where we are. So that just tells you that group, you know, if you're if you have multiple locations, you're doing that for a reason. You must be seeing some benefit and you're expecting to continue to grow. So that's why I want to talk to you today about this concept of, you know, economy of scale and, and kind of what are the things that, you know, help a dealer to scale. So I might just have you share some thoughts on that first. Sure. Like, what do, you, what do you see as kind of what helps a dealer position to scale their operation? Well, you know, as as this is the most capital intensive small business that you can imagine. Um, it becomes the first one is, do you have the capital or the cash flow or the access to capital to even grow other than organically, which yeah. is just through positive cash flow. Um, 
And, and that's really challenging and becoming more and more challenging every year. Sure. Um, as we watched, you know, when I first got in the business, we measured cash and deal in weeks, yeah. not in years. Yeah. Um, and so the more you, you know, when a dealer has a store and he wants to have a second store and you want to add just 20 sales, I mean, you probably need another million dollars mm -hmm. um, just based on average type numbers out there. The second part of that has been, um, that we've changed to a digital marketing, but a digital retailing environment where the old, how many rooftops do you have may not be as meaningful as it once was, you know, to have your name in lights in 27 little towns, like we did at one point in our lives. Um, uh, you know, you might say, Hey, maybe it's one per market. And, and, and if you need a bigger location than what you have, cause you're limited in sales by the number of cars you could display and all those things or the shop you have, you can move, but most markets, um, you know, you can probably sell a lot more cars out of one location than five or four or three. And so first getting past the capital stage. And then the other one, which you made a great point about is one I made a note of before we talked was so many single point dealers, the policy procedure and everything about their business is in their head. Yeah. Amen. It's, it's Amen. Just, and, and if they're not there, and I've seen it in the 20 groups that I've moderated over the years mm -hmm. where they're taking calls at every break and, you know, getting frustrated by the silly questions that get asked back at home. And I said, you know, that's on you. Right. Yeah. I mean, you didn't yeah. you didn't share with them all the things because most things are fairly simple and should be uh, put to pen. But if you're going to have a second, third, fifth location. Uh, you need to have a written operations manual, certainly a compliance manual and a employee handbook, but an operations manual so that they act the same. Right. Um, because if it's in your head, you can't be two places at one time, e even with the wonderful technology that we have today and dashboards mm -hmm. on my laptop for my DMS and everything else. Um, we find you running between places and then you've diminished your value to the place. Um, and, and Jim and Michelle, you're exactly right. I mean, many dealers. That's why when it comes to selling these places, a lot of times I've seen people buy buy her pay her dealerships and uh, dismiss the uh, ownership and the management group. And I said, you know, that's really all you bought. <laughs> I mean, the, the cars and the, and the store. I mean, you can do that every hour on the hour. I mean, there's yeah. a place to have. But, you, you know, you got rid of what was expertise about this. The second thing about our business, which is unlike, say, a restaurant or a bakery or whatever retail type position you have, is we call it all buy here, pay here. And, mm -hmm. and Jim and Michelle, I know you know, and I know the people watching know that, you know, I've got dealers who are in the same 20 group whose business model is dramatically different from the person sitting next to them. Yeah. And that could be from number of stores or could be accounts, but it's also sometimes the car model. Yeah. Um, is dramatic. You know, I've got people with twenty-five and thirty-five thousand dollar ACV cars sitting next to somebody who has the old-fashioned four and five thousand dollar ACV cars. Those really aren't the same business. Yeah. Other point. than other than the dealer is financing the automobile for that one. So um, those are some challenges. Uh, like I said, I, I think I told you in my last one. For those who don't know my history, I my sister married a buy here pay here dealer. I became his CFO. But we were a mom and pop shop and we opened up store number two and store number three and store number four. And then we bought out a bunch of dealers here in Florida um, and went public. And so the thing that I would tell every one of you is we, unlike many businesses, we really lack the ability to get economies of scales on a lot of issues. And the first one is if you guys have ever bid online against some of the larger dealer groups, 
they pay way too much for cars, not a little too much, but way too much. Mm-hmm. Like you would think, well, we're going to have the power to buy cars and buy our product cheaper is the opposite is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's really challenging on top of, on top of everything else that comes to the cars, because we're not in control of that, that source of inventory. There's lots of people bidding for those same cars. Then you start growing dealerships. And again, we had 27 at one point. We had we created positions. We had three regional managers and 27 store managers and a buying crew that had a buying, you know, you know, czar and then 12 buyers. And it's like you start adding um, layers of management into your org chart. And none of those are ever cheap, right? We're not adding one more salesman or one more collector. Right. You're adding high, high prices for the cars, high prices for transportation, high prices for the management team. Uh, and and in our business, you know, the, the way this really works, and for a lot of people listening and watching today, some of the best things that you have going for you is that you're able to do this. I always call it on a shoestring. You're you're able to manage your business without spending a ton and ton of of money that otherwise you wouldn't spend. And we can see it from all of our benchmarks over the years in um, overhead per car sold. Mm-hmm. You know, all my guys with single lots they run fifteen hundred to twenty five hundred a car, and all the big groups that are in multiple states they're 55 to 7500 a car in overhead yeah it makes yeah. the business tough yeah for sure mm-hmm. so a couple of things that come to mind as i hear you talk about that one is um this idea that uh first a, a guy who's in the capital space a while back told me he said you know there's a reason that these dealers are choosing buy here payer like they're just fiercely independent like the, there's a reason that they don't have mm-hmm. you know uh similarity or you know anything that's very um you know, uh, that doesn't match another dealer sure. because they're they're very independent. And that's the nature of this space. And that's part of why they've chosen to be there. And then the other thing that comes to mind is I had a fun conversation with somebody, you know, in fact, they sent me a text message said, tell Chuck that Steve Taylor said hello. So, you yes, yes. So, <laughs> you know, it's, and Steve, Steve is really one of those success stories that are unfortunately they might become more prevalent um, as we go forward with large groups and public companies buying out. Uh, and giving an exit strategy, but even even the even the ones that have been done, like Keith Hagler and Steve Taylor, um, the company that that purchased them is not going to be looking for every buy here pay here dealership in America. They're no. looking for the right towns, the right car model, the right size, the right reputation. I mean, it's they're going to be very very picky on that one. And I think for a lot of people, as Jim, as you know, we I joke that when you get in the buy here pay here business, they go, well, what am I going to get out? Well, you sold a car just now, so you bought yourself three or four more years just now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so it's 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 a challenge out there. And you had talked about you know what what is the value of your companies, and certainly you know subprime you know banks out there and finance companies have had some value and valuations done by Wall Street. But I know when our buy here pay here operation went public. Uh, there were no comparables, so people didn't really understand it. Uh, and also, we had to get to a hundred million on the books before anybody would even talk to us. Wow. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're just, you're just, you're just not anything. And of course, they like national stories and they like scalable stories and they like to be able to do vertical integration. Hey, do you have new car stores? Do you have you know retail stores as well? They like all those things that most of us don't have. But on the other side of that coin is a lot of really good dealers sell twenty five cars a month. Yeah, uh, 500 accounts on the books, their portfolio is worth in excess of $5 million. And they go, well, who's going to buy it? And I say, yeah, who's going to buy it? Right. That's a, I mean, that's a big check for most investors. 
Yeah, I've, I've been, you know, you've heard from people over the years that are looking to sell and have 25, 50 million dollar portfolios and they're looking for you to kind of broker something. And it's just there's not a big appetite for that. You know, it's not it's not it's not going to make sense for angel investors. And, you know, some some could end up with private equity. But, you know, that's not a space that I live in. So it's right. like I don't I don't know that I can be much help in that regard. So I think when we do this event in March, I think one of the challenges has been, you know, how do we help the average dealer just mm-hmm. you know, in that old you know john deere town and maybe they're one of five dealerships in their town whatever uh but they the idea is all the things that we will talk about that day i want to apply to that typical dealer because yep. it's really about it's not about selling to carmart or becoming a mega store it's really about how do i position my business so that it can survive me so that i can be away on vacation with my family more and have the business still perform well and then I would hope that all those things that we would put in place in doing that is going to make us more profitable, more efficient. And then heaven forbid something happens. The business has a chance to survive me mm-hmm. and continue to provide income for my loved ones instead of just having to liquidate it. Now they got to go figure out something else, you know. So so I think that's the piece that I'm really trying to help dealers understand. Sure. Or I wrote an article about three years ago just kind of could you sell? And one thing I talked about is that policy procedure thing. Like I called it an owner's manual. Like mm-hmm. if I got your dealership, Chuck, and I walked into your store tomorrow because something happened to you or you decided you wanted to go live in Hawaii or whatever, then if if I step into <laughs> your store, is there an owner's manual that I could follow and, ex- and operate in that same way and expect similar results? Sure. And that's all I'm really, we got to start there kind of is the where I'm coming from. And I think that can help families and loved ones who are not directly involved in a business and and while the dealer principal might be fiercely independent the 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 spouse or you know people who are going to inherit the business mm-hmm. might not be that way so it's like mm-hmm. is there some can we create something in this buy here pay your business and i think we know the answer is yes but it's just we're trying to create that scenario and are they going to all sell to carmart no but the things that they put in place can certainly help them to sell their business to a competitor across the street if they decide to exit it's going to have more value is kind of the idea. So thoughts on that? Yeah, no question. And I will tell you that I am, I'm working with a couple of smaller dealers right now and helping them create that owner's manual, that operations manual. They say, well, I, I got a really good thing from my friends at Ignite on compliance. I go, that's really important. But well, that yeah. doesn't tell anybody how to drive the ship. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and of course, doing this as long as I have, I have unfortunate stories. Right. Yeah. I have I have where the dealer principal was incapacitated or even, God forbid, they passed away sure. and nobody had a roadmap for when they left. I mean, literally not even knowing what to do the very next day. And it's a horrible, frightening story. And of course, I, the one thing you talked about, fiercely independent uh, entrepreneurial type people is I can tell you the one flaw they all seem to have is that they think they're going to live forever. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, and and you know, if you do and if you don't, and the and the most of the success stories I've I've been fortunate to witness have typically been succession, right? Where they yeah, really yeah. have somebody there. But the actual buying, I've told a dealer not maybe in the last few weeks, I said, look, you need to go bang on the door of a couple of your friends that you've known for a long time who are your competitors. You guys probably need to write up an agreement that you yeah. take care of the people either, either way when those things happen. It's like, you don't have to buy anything yet. You don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. But uh, I've also been that person who uh, had a gentleman in, in Virginia pass away and, and his accountant, his lawyer and his wife called me the next day saying, they said, call you. Yeah. Like, okay, well, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what his wishes were, you know, yeah. but we can tell yeah. you how to make this thing go on. We can also share with you how to uh, liquidate it if that's the best scenario for you and your in your life going forward. Because there's a lot of spouses, especially, who 
And some of them are even involved in the small business, but they're only involved in the business because of their husband or wife, yeah. not because yeah. they love it, not because yeah. there's a passion yeah. there. But then you also get the, I call not really hangers on, but the periphery people like accounts saying, well, don't give up this business. It's awesome. Yes. Yeah. But if you, you know, Jim, you guys know better than anybody, if you don't love this, well, yeah. it's hard if you do love it. It's really yeah. hard if you don't love yeah. it. Of course. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I, I really caution people on that one there. I think I think it does start with um, a, an operations manual, an owner manual, where you write it down. It doesn't have to be sophisticated. It's not going to look like, you know, general electrics or operations manuals. I mean, just where you put down the things that we want to do and things that we don't want to do every day and the process to getting there. Uh, and that'll help you if you don't grow. I mean, it just helps you with new people and training. Um and again, I, I always I always listen to my dealers in the hallways talking about, well, do this and then do that and go do this and do that. It's like, you know, and that's where you talk about what happens when you're not there. And I said, you know, I, I very rare do I hear somebody say, well, what do you think you should do? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I said, sometimes they give you a terrible answer or they make a bad decision while you're away. But it's like, OK, let's go, let's walk through that and see why it's mm -hmm. important. Um, it is also hard for those who want to have some sort of succession plan or make the business go on when. Uh, I've had wonderful employees in my my dealership career over time that I don't want to say they don't have the ownership gene, mm -hmm. but, you know, working for somebody versus owning it is a very different animal. Yes. Right? Yes. And, and some of my best people really when it came down to, OK, now you own this thing and you signed on the lines of credit and you're signed on the lease. Well, that changes everything. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the things that I, I we were talking earlier about. I won't have a lot to add because I haven't been by your payer, but I do understand this concept that if you want to be able to have a secession, one of your family members, then you need to be willing to give up more and yep. more decisions yep. and control day by day um, to, to those people. It makes a big difference. One other thing that I, you know, we were talking about when something, God forbid, happens that the dealer is no longer there. We've seen, and I'm sure you have as well, where something happens to the dealer and he's out of commission for a couple of months. Oh. And and that, that happens more often, I think, than mm -hmm. they died. Because it's like any number of things can create that scenario. And, and you know, we hear and, and we've observed that it's like it's a scramble. Yep. It's scramble to be able to keep your head just above water while yep. the dealer is gone. And so prepare for something like that. Even. Well, these are all ugly, uncomfortable things. <laughs> you know, it's like even divorce. I mean, you gosh, we've seen divorce affect so many businesses and oh, yeah. corporations. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's just to me, it's like regardless of what those scenarios look like, it, it's about creating something that that the, the dealership has a value that can be handed off. And I think mm -hmm. it's so much easier than it was even five years ago, Chuck, because, you know, I could I could take a business and I could record all my stuff in a searchable file. I could put it in Google Drive on some sort of cloud storage and it would be available. And then all I would have to do is tell my spouse or significant other or business partner, mm -hmm. here's where the keys are. And so if something happens, here's where you find the keys. Here's where all the stuff is. And so to me, that's just so much easier than it was before. And it's one step in a really important direction yeah. that this is part of why we think this March event is so important. We want to we want dealers to move past that thing where you're talking about the information that's in the dealer's head. I heard that called tribal knowledge. 
Yep. When, you, when we're carrying around this knowledge and maybe we pass it along to our management team, maybe it's part of our tribe. But outside of that, it's really not documented in a way mm-hmm. that somebody else could step in there and operate. And so and that's it's, it's not as hard as and, you know, that's one of the things when people think about policies, it's just so daunting. Mm-hmm. It's just it's like an elephant. And I know that that's that that's uh, uh, just kind of a silly uh, uh comparison but it's just one bite at a time and before you realize that you're going to look back and most of that elephant will have been eaten and and then besides that that you know you put it somewhere where this is all of the stuff that's up here you start sharing it and developing it with your team because when your team has some ownership and some ability to be able to say hey if we did it this way it would be more efficient we would have better success or whatever Mm -hmm. and being open to the team helping to develop that as well, it actually creates something that I think the team gets behind even more. Yeah, that's one of the things, again, on, on one of the one of the uh, operations manual I'm working with the dealer with right now, I said, look, I'm going to give you the blueprint, the template, the questions to be asked, mm-hmm. but please don't sit at your house tonight and bang mm-hmm. this all out. You've got to involve your team yeah. um, and, and get input from them. And, and that's where you're going to find that, hey, we found a better way or this is how it actually works because I love watching dealers say, this is how it works. And then I go to their dealership and Jimmy, you've done that and go, yeah, it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. I know you think it does, or you wish it would. Um, yeah. But, but it's important as you grow your business, certainly if you ever needed to sell your business uh, and you want it to go forward and even succession, you know, there's a lot of, you know, there's all those car jokes about the, uh, you know, the PhD, the second generation where the, you know, the kids of the, of the uh, entrepreneur, the Papa has dealership and they kind of fail on that one. But I've got a lot of good dealers who said, you know what, my kids wants to do this. First of all, they got to want it. And the second of all, they got to learn all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But as a parent, and I've seen a lot of parents where I've had to have a little, you know, heart to heart with them, which is like, Hey, they need to make some mistakes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and as a parent, you are like that. You don't want them to be hurt. You don't want them to fail. You don't want them to make a mistake. But it's we all do. We all have. Well, I mean, in their course of building the business, how many mistakes did no. they make? And they learn valuable so, lessons. Yeah. Correct. Well, I think it's just like, you know, you and I, Chuck, have made our living a long time in helping dealers with things that we've learned. Do we know it all? No, but we certainly provide information based on things we've observed. And so why go and make that mistake? Oh, I love that part mm-hmm. of my job. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like, how do you, why would you make this expensive mistake when I've seen others do it? We know the price of going that direction and we can help you avoid that. It's part of what you and I do is, is help people mitigate risk, right? And save themselves from the expensive things. And so I think that's part of what I think about. I'll give you one quick example. Like we were working with a dealer who the sales manager was saying, you know, I can't seem to get any work done with my people because I'm always busy training. And I'm like, well, didn't you train somebody last week? And they, yeah. Well, if you had recorded that, <laughs> like we had, like, you know, <laughs> then you would be able to provide yeah. that tra- and you would be free, you know? So it's like, it's like, it's not that we're asking you to do anything new, just document the things you're doing already mm-hmm. as you do them. And that's much easier Sorry. than it used to be, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's not like we're asking you to take on new stuff. It just document the stuff, you know? Yeah. That's a fact. I would tell you that I had one dealer just comes to mind from Salt Lake who sent, I don't know, 15 collection managers to me over the years because mm-hmm. he kept turning them over and getting new ones. And I said, you know, I need you to come because yeah. I want to train the trainer. Right. Yeah. That And that is one of the things that we, we yeah. frequently do with our clients is, um, you know, we'll do some training or we'll, we'll tap them into some things that sure. we have in the Institute. And it's like, uh, uh-uh, you have to learn it first or alongside 
the along, at least with them. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, and that brings up an important point. It's like, you know, inheriting somebody else's business, if, if Chuck, I inherited yours or some son inherits a business from the father unexpectedly, it's like, if you don't have that degree of accountability, we can agree that this is what we want to do. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have that management um, ability to hold people accountable to what is the thing, then, you know, it's hard to affect results, right? It's hard to expect uh, any kind of consistency. And so it's part of what we see. But I think for this March event, I really mm -hmm. just want to kind of stay focused on, and, and we expect in our, our wrapped up session uh, toward the end of the day to be able to give people a, a checklist of mm -hmm. things to be able to walk away with and say, mm -hmm. you know, if I were to install this, this, and this, mm -hmm. you know, Jim and Chuck and Brent Carmichael said, this should help my business. And have Mark, a little Mark more. Burkholder, yeah. I just had someone yeah, that piped in and said, so excited about Mark being yep. on the show yeah. too. And yeah. Steve Taylor will be there. Mm -hmm. And Steve's a good example of, you know, we know and I will just say, you know, we, we know we're not positioning to sell to Carmart, but we'd it would help us to know what Carmart finds valuable, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, uh, let's, let's listen and pay attention. If we can install those things, at least we would have that option. I always say, you know, I love to have options. I love for my clients to have options. And so we're just trying to create scenarios where they've got mm -hmm. businesses that are more conveyable. And, uh, and you know, in the course of doing that, their business is going to become more fundable. Yep. You know, and all those things that we talk about. So it's an exciting opportunity. I reckon, I think the challenge with this event has been, how do we get people to understand? We, we, we want people there, even if they're not looking to sell or buy. Right, right. Not just that, you know, <laughs> if there's a ton of stuff we're going to talk yeah, about. Be valuable. That will help at yeah. any stage of business. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you, Chuck, so much for joining oh, us. Are my really pleasure, as always. Yeah. And uh, we look forward to having you on the show again sometime soon. Same. And we're looking forward to the end of March, March 30th. And it's going to be an all day long event. And Chuck will be there to add his wisdom. He won't be there all day. We won't. A, <laughs> to uh, add his wisdom to the, the things that we're going to be talking about. And some there's going to be some really great deliverables at the end of the day. Yeah, so. so in the meantime, thanks again for tuning in. And uh, the last okay. mention for... Uh, the fact that Jeff Martin has stepped into the yeah. uh, the helmet. Hey, Chuck, uh, do you want to stick around for just a second and uh, after we close off the show? And again, thank you so much yeah. for joining us today. All righty. Um, yeah. So okay. uh, Jeff Martin again. Um, and we uh, we will be having him on the show soon that there's uh, probably sometime next week. Um, and uh, this or next week, someone mentioned Mark Burkholder. Um, Mark Burkholder will be yeah, here with um, well, Mark and um, and Brent Carmichael are going to be joining us at the end of February 27th, I think, Monday the 27th, Monday, the 27th. Yeah. Yeah. Um, of February. And uh, and we have we we have people that we think are going to be joining us Wednesday and Friday of this week, oh, but stand by, yeah, stand by. We just have to get some um, last little bits of. Yes. Yes. From them. So um, thanks everyone so much for tuning in. We uh, great conversation. If you enjoyed it, please put on your calendar March 30th for the day long event that we're going to be doing then. And, and go subscribe um, to our YouTube channel for heaven's sake. Yeah, absolutely. You can always find us over there. So, yeah. um, so now we have this thing that I'm going to have to try to, our soundboards down. Yeah. So to, to close out again, thank you so much. And I'm just going to go ahead and uh, close us out with our um, platform that we use, which is by your payer nation TV. Hope you all have a fantastic day and we will see you on Wednesday. Thank <laughs> you.